Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. Listen for the word of the Lord. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. So they asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And Jesus said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places, famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all of this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and to prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify, so make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, when I first opened my Bible to look at the passage for today, I read it and I thought, well, that sucks. (laughs) That's not great. Okay. Thanks, Danny. Great. So I'm assuming that a lot of us in this room, if not all of us, might hear that and feel a little intimidated, maybe feels hopeless. Maybe we just don't know what to do with that passage. So I I feel like responding with the word of the Lord to that one feels very dissonant, right? Wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, sounds pretty apocalyptic. And if it couldn't get any better, suddenly Jesus is talking about persecution, being thrown in prison, being betrayed by your family and your friends. And so I read that and I think, that's not really a world I want to live in. But where this passage really catches my attention, it's not around what we might, some people might think as the end times or when Jesus is coming back in our time or if he is, but rather, what does it mean when we stand up to institutions of power? What is Jesus recognizing about standing up to the empire? What is he doing, what is he saying that can give us a sense of what it means to tell the truth or to pull ourselves out from underneath coercive power and domination? So when we go back 
to the text with this in mind, something really important to remember is that Jesus is saying all of this in the temple. In fact, chapters back, it starts in the temple. He's been talking in the temple for a long time. So I don't think that this could be understated. Jesus is inside the temple, right? It's an incredibly important place of worship that was deeply, deeply meaningful to people. And so he's looking up at the beautiful stones and the gifts of God, and he's basically saying, this worship space that is so meaningful to you, it's coming down and it's coming down brick by brick. So I started thinking, what would that look like for us? So I imagined, what if Danny or Jenny or I came to the friendship luncheon last month and we looked at 130 years worth of ministry and we said, ah, this isn't worth celebrating. We need to just kind of take all this down. We're just going to actually take the whole church building down while we're at it. I think we need something else. And please hear me, I'm not making a value judgment about our history because I love it. But just think about the rage you might feel inside of you if we did something like that. And then multiply it by a million times. And that might help us understand this moment in the temple. So maybe now you can imagine why Jesus, for a very good portion of his ministry, was trying to not get thrown off a cliff. People were very angry with him for saying things like this. So Jesus, he decides to his own peril, which we know is coming, that he was going to stand up to these religious institutions of power. And he did so in such a way that the Roman Empire realized that he was a direct threat to their stability and their power too. So one thing that I learn about Jesus in this passage is that Jesus is not interested here in placating the powerful people. He's not interested in doing things simply because that's the way we've always done it. So when we read words like, they're going to arrest you and persecute you, they're going to hand you over to synagogues and prisons because of my name, Jesus knows that standing up to the empire, standing up to oppressive power, it's not all like roses and a nice stroll in the park. And we know what's coming next, too. We know the story. Jesus went to the cross because he challenged power. So I had some experiences last weekend that are actually helping me reflect on this passage and how these realities sort of show up for us today. So I was at a conference, I led music at a conference full of LGBTQ Christians and their allies, and multiple times through the weekend, I was approached by people in tears, people who are telling me stories of trauma and pain at the hands of Christian institutions that rejected them, and how they had never experienced worship that helped them feel as though they belonged. These are people that may have lost housing, relationships, places of worship, friends, family, all because they had to tell the truth about who they were. In fact, they didn't really have a choice about whether or not they had to stand up to power or institutions because their mere identities were a threat to the institutions and to the stability of the system. 
They didn't even get a choice. So while some of us here in this room, and myself included, might be shocked by words like, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they'll put some of you to death, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that a queer person reading those words knows exactly what they mean. Those fears and those realities, they're ever-present. So this work of standing up to institutions of power and dominance is not just a practice for Jesus or for the ancient world. It's actually one for us, too. And I think for all of us, regardless of our identity, there's some wisdom here in confronting these verses on persecution and disorientation and betrayal and loss of relationships. And I think this is what's true here. When we are called to say something true, to resist our own oppression or the oppression of other people, oppression that sometimes is at the hands of Christians, we don't know who's going to stand up with us. Who's going to join us in saying things that are true? We just can't guarantee who's going to stand up with us, right? So as we're in this tension and dissonance, maybe you're wondering, like me, so like what good news is that? Like, great. Are we just sort of left here? What is the good word that keeps us moving forward, that keeps us working towards justice? So I want to put this in conversation with another passage from a different gospel and with another experience that I had this last weekend. So I want to jump to the Gospel of John. It's in chapter 19. And so sort of setting the stage, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's about to die. And so the text says, Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother, and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here's your son. And then he said to the disciple, Here's your mother. So while we might feel discouraged by the Luke passage, leaves us in a lot of angst, and for good reason, that's not what Jesus brings here in the John passage. Jesus knows the pain and the cost of standing up for what's true. But in this moment, he decides to create new community in the shadow of empire, in the shadow of the cross. So here, moments away from his dying breath, he redefines family and he redefines belonging. Jesus doesn't ask his followers to just give everything away without also acknowledging what they need going forward. Jesus knows that kinship and family and belonging help us sustain this work, right? Even when it feels like we've lost a lot. So instead of leaving us with nothing, he gives us this new definition. He knows that family and meaningful relationship 
it stretches and it expands further beyond our imaginations. I bet that many of us in this room have experienced true moments of pain and grief and trial, and you're wondering, who are my people? But I bet you could also look around this room, and there are people that have been there for you through all of the coming outs of life, the divorces and the deaths and the family and the hard moments. We have family here too, and Jesus knows that, and Jesus redefines it to include a whole lot more people. So I had one more experience last weekend that I want to close with that feels connected to this. So I made some new friends, and on that Friday night, we decided to go out on Capitol Hill. So we went to dinner, we got drinks, and at the end of the evening, we ended up at a drag show. So here we are, right, at this gay club on Capitol Hill, and I looked around, and I imagined that there were, and there are many Christian people and institutions that think that that environment is the opposite of sacred. Yet, as we gathered, it was clear to me that this was actually a safe and sacred space indeed gathered around people that may have been hurt by Christians and the institutions who are allowed in that space to be themselves, to be free, to not have to conform to the expectations that society and religion place on us, it felt holy to me. The act of being free is a way of declaring what's true. The act of being free, it resists the pull of the empire. It undermines the stability of power that hurts us and the need to control. Instead, it's characterized by mutuality and kinship and love that respects the freedom of others. So that night on Capitol Hill, that Friday night, where we laughed and we danced body to body and cheek to cheek and heart to heart, I imagine in some ways Jesus nudging me and nudging us and saying, look around. Don't you see? Here are your brothers and sisters and siblings. Here are the people who hold you up. Here are the people that make you more you. And I think that's true right now, too. I think that is true right now. These are the people, the ones that you're sitting next to, that make you more you. So, behold, here is your family. Thanks be to God. As we go into our next hymn, I just want to make a quick change.
So we will be singing, instead of Bring Many Names, we're going to sing hymn number 755, which is Alleluia, Laud, and Blessing. And then to close, after uh, the Lord's Prayer, we will sing Bring Many Names. Let's sing together.